I don't mean to send that message when I do things like that, when I over-function, but I do. I tell the ones that I love that you don't have it, and I don't trust that, that you can get it together. Welcome to This Whole Life, a podcast for all of us seeking sanity and sanctity, and a place to find joy and meaning through the integration of faith and mental health. I'm Pat Millay, a Catholic speaker, musician, and leader, and I'm here with my bride, Kenna, a licensed marriage and family therapist. This is the stuff she and I talk about all the time, doing dishes in the car on a date. We're excited to bring you this podcast for educational purposes. It's not therapy or a substitute for mental health care. So come on in, have a seat at our dining room table, and join the conversation with us. We are so glad you're here. Welcome back to This Whole Life, everyone. It is so good to be with you once again for another episode um, of, yeah, sharing in the reality of our life and hoping, praying to God that it connects <laughs> to the reality of your own life. <laughs> um, I'm here with my love, Pat Malay. Hello, beautiful. Good morning, Pat Malay. How good are morning. you, Pat Malay? <laughs> I'm wonderful, Kenna Malay. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. We're in our new echo chamber <laughs> that is our um our temporary recording studio and in the new house and in the we are new house settled mm. putting down roots we are not settled we are so far from settled <laughs> the people and some of the things are all the things are in the building yeah and almost none of it's settled yeah. Yeah. Although our new, the people who purchased our home did just remind me, I have three plants that are still waiting to be moved from the old garden <laughs> to the new garden. And I was like, oh my gosh, will this ever end? Um, yep. Yeah, right. The people and the stuff is here. And what I, people keep asking me like, have you guys moved? And I'm like, we have moved and we continue to move. We, <laughs> we will. Continue. The transition continues. <laughs> yes. shove boxes into new places. The journey is the destination <laughs> in some respects. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Yeah. Yep, but it's good to be here. Good to be with you. Good to have a great conversation today. And I'm yeah. um, excited to get down to it. What um, what about highs and hearts? In, in the yeah. midst of one of the crazier months of right. our life and marriage, what is one high yeah. and one hard to pick out of the crowd? So, you know, they say in therapy and in, in the world of psychology, there are five things, five great stressors in someone's life. So there's marriage, divorce, new job, new baby death and then i would add leaving the country for two weeks without your children <laughs> without your young children and transferring all the information in my brain over to others who are going to care for them yep um so i'd say the hard right now is just i'm continuing the theme i think from last recording um of Oh, what are all the things? And like feeling like that emoji with like the hair on fire. Like I think I've sent that out like 14 times. With the, is this a thing where you don't know what an emoji is no, again? No, he does. Doesn't he, doesn't he have his hair on fire? <laughs> no. no. Oh, no. It's a, guys, it's a like. For the longest, I sent out the poop emoji thinking it was a Hershey kiss that was smiling at me. And you thought the drooling emoji was what? Um... 
I don't know. No, the one I thought was the um, the party one. I thought he was snorkeling. <laughs> That's right. I thought the thing coming out of his mouth was the snorkel, and then the hat was like the top of his snorkel. Okay, what the heck? So to all of I my can... friends and family that I've been sending what I thought was my hair on fire, how do you not correct me about these things in the moment? Because I don't know until you say it out loud. I just think, well, that's a funny choice. What is for... it? What is so happening to him? What I think, as an emoji master myself, what I think you're doing is you are calling hair on fire the mind blown emoji oh, with the brain exploding yeah. out of the top of the I emoji. I thought those head. were like the embers, like <laughs> flying up. No, you guys, I have an, I have a new heart. In your defense, they what, should have like subtitles. What the like, listeners may not know is is the state of your eyesight and astigmatism. So those little emojis may not register on the old eye chart for you, you know. <laughs> I mean, I do hold the phone pretty close. Any who is it time for the old lady size Apple. font of like the huge letters and the big emojis? No? Oh my gosh. Okay, Apple, take note. We need a hair on fire emoji because Clearly, I have a lot of use for it. So that is how I would feel. Should there be maybe I need a GIF instead. Um but yeah, just like the thing of like, okay, who do I need to email? What teachers do I need to inform? What permission slips need to be signed in anticipation of us being gone? I mean, let's be clear. These are first world. This is like first class, business class, whichever is higher class. I don't fly those, but whichever is the highest yeah, class. Ironically, we're not flying that on the plane. But <laughs> the plane. but Pat leaving for Greece in three days. Exciting news. We will be broadcasting from Greece as well. Yeah, yeah. But um. So check out the social media, especially if you want, if you're like me and you just want to look at pretty things on social media. But, um, but yeah, but just like downloading my brain and there's like a lot in there. Like just now I was getting something out of the freezer and I was like, oh, we got to, Pat's parents are staying with our kids. Like, oh, we got to remind your parents that the key to the freezer is up here so they can get into all the snacks and the, you know, all the things. It's just all that. It's the minutia of everyday life. And you're like, now I have to tell someone else, you know, how to do this. So yeah, I was chatting with someone else who's going on the trip and he was like, is it harder to prepare for the trip or is it rough coming back? And I'm like, yep, it's just, it's just all difficult. So this trip is going to be amazing <laughs> while we are there to make up for all of the difficulties before the, the, the sandwich, the bookends. So that's probably the hard is just like shaking out my brain or our collective brain, really, because you've been doing a lot to get ready as well. But I did finish the document for my parents Did to you, take care of our kids while we're gone. 18 pages long, even though we're only gone for 11 days. It's not 18. <laughs> it is 17. It's a 17 page document, oh my gosh, which is actually helpful for me in some ways to, to see it on paper that yeah. like, like our life is more than a full page every day <laughs> to try to figure out which kids are going where and how to get them fed and all that. So oh 17 pages. Sorry, mom and dad. Here we go. <laughs> Buckle we up. We send that to them ahead of time. Um, they could do their reading ahead of time. So, okay. So that's the hard. The high is just absolutely anticipating this trip for me right now. I mean, you know, our house is amazing, getting settled into this new space and finding all the nooks and crannies for our things to go and and finding new rhythms together. That's really good. And also thinking about getting to be with you, getting to be with Father Nathan, um, getting to be with our new pastor, Father Luke Marquad, and then 35 other pilgrims um, in Greece, which is for sure number one with a bullet, my like top place to visit in the world that I have not yet been. Um, 
I'm just so excited about the beauty. I'm a little nervous about how much artwork I'm going to want to bring home <laughs> and how full my phone is going to no, be. No, I'm nervous about that. I had not <laughs> considered that little detail. Okay, cool. I'm leaving a substantial <laughs> amount of space in my suitcase. But um, but yeah, just so excited. And um, to be with you, to fly on a plane with you for hours on end and eat snacks, maybe have a cocktail, watch a movie, just <laughs> that alone. Um yeah, it's going to be awesome. So looking forward to that. I'm, as you all know, I'm great at anticipatory fun. And this has not disappointed in that department. Yep. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even dragging Pat into it with me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. That's where are awesome. you? Where it does feel been? a little bit like, like we've been sprinting for about two months straight. And we will cross the finish line and collapse onto an airplane seat. And mm-hmm. then just like sit and get to be together and get to pray and be pilgrims and see Greece. And yeah. I, I'm super excited about that. So yeah. I probably can't think about it until it's there, but it's going to be great. 35 probably because again, not, not flying business class, but um, <laughs> that's okay. It'll be good. It'll oh gosh. Be good. It'll be great. Yep. So my hard uh, has been the process of moving. Uh, when we moved to our previous home eight and a half years ago, I told you um, I will leave this home in a casket because (laughs) there's no way that I'm moving ever again. That move was particularly difficult because we had to remodel the new home at the time. Um, It was not a new home, but it was new to us and it was a very old home. So it needed some remodeling and some love. The process of the move was really difficult uh, and it was really hard. This move was not as traumatizing for me. Probably there were, there were no 3 a.m. shifts of trying to get stuff into the house so we could return the U-Haul on time. Um, but moving is just hard, you know, it just physically demanding, mentally taxing, emotionally tough, trying to juggle the move in the midst of all the other daily needs that our children continue to bring to us, no matter how much we convince them that we're busy, you know? So it it was, um, (laughs) it was difficult, um, but it was worthwhile. Like I never was resentful about it. I knew it was a right, the right thing, a good thing, but it was just, you know, it's hard. Um, the high is definitely getting to a home that just, fits the stage of life that our family is in. You know, we, we mm-hmm. had talked for years um, about our old home serving us for a long time yeah. and serving us well. It was a beautiful old home, tons of character. And the way that our life is structured with the ages of our children, we just don't have the bandwidth to deal with projects around the house. Yeah. So we had to trade in the character and the kind of physical beauty of the home uh, for the sake of the emotional beauty of <laughs> being able to focus on our family in a home yeah. that provides a little bit more in terms of like what serves our family well and doesn't provide as many projects to take care yes. of to make the home function well. So and, and not orchestrating nine people sharing one bathroom. Correct. For baths and showers. And that is morning also readiness and all that. Yeah. A significant upgrade. It's been yeah. huge. It's been huge. I <laughs> yep had a lot of difficulty about embracing this move. But I will go on record, literally saying you were right. <laughs> at least two weeks in. Two weeks in. <laughs> oh, stop it! That's the first time, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Write it down. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I do see how um, Father Nathan said it to me. You know, the the consolation of this new home is the space and the fact that things have their place. And I, th- I think that's very true. Um, yeah, just a little more ease 
and we're figuring out our rhythm still. But And one of the funny, beautiful, crazy parts of the move was speaking of Father Nathan. So you who have listened yeah. to this whole life and you're familiar with Father Nathan from previous episodes, we moved in two Fridays ago. And that was the first night at the house, the first night that we were sleeping here on beds, mattresses on floors, basically. But we were here in the house. We were all present in the house at like 5.30, 5.45 on Friday evening. Yeah, like 5.45. Father Nathan texted you at 5.20 and said, I'm on my way to bless the house. I'll yes. be there in 20 minutes. It was awesome. <laughs> so he came 15 minutes after us and yeah. the, the, the house looked hilarious. But he did the full blessing, exorcism, ran through the house with holy water, yeah. prayed with our kids. It was just the oh. perfect way to start he off. He was like, I want. Home. What did he say? He said, that now that it's been blessed and claimed for Christ, the only way it can be taken away from Christ is if we burn it down. I was like, don't say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah. Giving the children ideas, Father. What are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, no, that was such uh, a gift um, to just, yeah, rest easy knowing that this yep. place has been claimed for the Lord and claimed for our family. So, yeah, yep. it's okay. been great. It's been great. So I'm really excited for this episode. How would you, my lovely, yeah. beautiful therapist bride, how would you introduce what we're getting into in this particular episode. Yeah. So um, admittedly, at this moment, I don't actually know what we're going to call this episode because this is just going to be an organic conversation between <laughs> two humans who share a lot of similar experiences. But um, maybe I can start with an anecdote that has been, that was the seed that planted this idea. So earlier this winter, I was at a wrestling match for maybe a tournament even for um, our sons. And um, I was sitting next to a, a very wise mom friend. Thank you, Laura, for uh, for holding my hand through that match. And it wasn't my first wrestling match. Okay, I cried the first wrestling match. But um, <laughs> but it, I was a few wrestling matches in, but it was a particularly difficult match for one of our sons who is generally accustomed to winning, to be honest. And so in this match, I am... Guys, if you have never watched wrestling, I hadn't, I literally had not seen it until my boys were on the mat. Um, but it's kind of weird and kind of as a mom, like you're like, I have worked so hard to protect you in every sense and start. Like I've literally given my body, you know, to care for you, mm -hmm. um, given up sleep, you know, given so many portions of my brain to care for you. And then I'm going to like willfully choose to put you in this situation where this kid is like squashing you. I mean, so another kid squeezing your head to the ground. Yeah. Literally <laughs> squeezing his head. I did not know if, if like he could breathe. Like I didn't know if our son could breathe. You know, the coach is literally there like inches away from our son, right on the mat, coaching him through it. I can see, I mean, our son is just like red faced and just trying with all of his might. And I, I swear to goodness, at one point, he like looks up at me with these doe eyes like, mom, you know, just, and my heart, if it could have physically leapt out of it, out of my body and, and reached over and scooped him up out of the clutches of this, you know, whatever, 10 year old, it, it would have, I would have totally done it. It's like the 21st century uh, you know, athletic version of the way of the cross where Mary sees Jesus yes. carrying his cross. Yes. Oh, no, do not laugh. Oh, that gosh. is how I felt, Sorry. man. <laughs> that is absolutely I am, I'm not awful. laughing. That the, the feeling is legitimate. Tons of empathy for the feeling. And you're also the like, juxtaposition it was an is just sport. a little bit different. Oh. That's all I'm saying. Oh, oh gosh, yes. So, so, he, so I'm here and I'm watching and I'm, and I'm talking to my girlfriend, Laura, and I'm like, okay, you know, uh, uh, and she says to me, Anna, this is good. 
She said, this is good. The Christian life is hard and it is full of uncomfortable things, even suffering. And he is not in danger. Your son is not in danger. That coach would not let him be in harm's way. And she said, it is good for him to learn to persevere and to push through and to test his limits and to, and to grow and to strengthen. And, and she just, she really did speak truth to me. But <laughs> I'll be honest, when he got off that mat, you know, and the other guy was declared victorious, and then he went and sat on the bench, I noticed that his water bottle, my son's water bottle was next to me, and I was like, I'm just going to go over there and, and give him the, I don't even know if I told you this, Pat, but give him the water bottle. You did not. Just, just while I'm there, maybe just check in and, and make sure that he's okay. It was not well received. You know, he, mom, okay, go, 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 you know. He wanted to be with his buddies. He wanted to be with his teammates. He, you know, within 30 seconds, he was back cheering on his teammates. He was coaching his teammates from the sidelines, you know, all the things that I'm accustomed to seeing him do, win or lose. Mm -hmm. And I went back and I was like, tag on it. I missed an opportunity to let him figure out his strength, his his virtue, his that that inner strength that he had. And I, out of my discomfort, ran over to make sure that he was okay because really ultimately I needed to be okay. Mm -hmm. And that whatever we can call that, yep. <laughs> um, suffering alongside, allowing ourselves to to be close enough to others, to care enough about others, that we do see their suffering, that we do see their discomfort, that we do see their pain, and that we are are slow to interject, slow to assert ourselves, insert ourselves. To interfere, yeah. To interfere, mm -hmm. to resist the temptation to overfunction, which, oh my gosh, as a mom, as a therapist, it's so stinking easy for me um, to do. I don't know if other people resonate with that, but um, but to, to slow that down and to see like there is something really good happening. In that moment, there was something amazing, mm -hmm. I believe, mm -hmm. happening between my son and his coach, my son and his teammates who welcomed him back to the bench, my son and the Lord. You know, just that that God would give him the humility to to cheer on his opponent, you know, afterward to say, mm -hmm. shake his hand, say, good job, man, which is a huge part of wrestling. Um, I, I think I took some of that away from him um, because of my own discomfort. So whatever we're calling that, that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's so interesting is is be, it's you're, you're identifying that it was because of your discomfort. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't about his discomfort anymore. You know, right. initially, right. your very good, very instinctual and virtuous concern as a mother is for your son's well-being, right? right? That is well-placed. That is always appropriate. Yeah. But that next step, that shift into that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And because of my discomfort, I want to stop him from struggling. You yeah. know, it's I, I just think of the, you know, people use the term snowplow parenting sometimes, you know, of parents Absolutely. who who go out into the world in front of their children or on behalf of their children, and because it's uncomfortable for us parents to watch our kids struggle and suffer, we tried to diminish anything that might threaten 
the momentary peace of our child, right? Yeah. So we'll try to sort out friend problems for them. We'll we'll text our their friends' parents on behalf of them, or we will go to teachers and get out ahead of a homework issue that the kid's having at home. When the reality is, the kid was playing video games and just didn't do his homework. You know, <laughs> right. um, we'll go to a coach and we'll try to lobby for our kid to be on a team, even though he probably didn't really earn his way onto the team in in performance in dedication whatever yeah. you know and yep. this is more than even just parenting i mean it's it, it's easy for a lot of us to overfunction to snowplow with anyone that we love because yeah. again not because we are concerned for their well-being that's good that is not snowplowing but because we don't maybe take the time to sit with our own discomfort and figure out what to do with it you yeah. know yeah, definitely. Well, okay. So, so another example, not parenting necessarily, but you know, common for me in my work is I'm working with an individual. I'm in a session with an individual, and we're 35 minutes into a 52 minute session, and all we've talked about is their spouse, or all mm. we've talked about is their adult child. And I'm thinking to myself, whose therapy is this? You know, like, <laughs> did they send you as a as a representative? You know, to to get some ideas and, and tips and what have you and 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 what I look for, you know, is a is a break, someone to take a breath in the sharing and to be able to say, and how is that for you when you watch your husband, mm -hmm. you know, struggle after being laid off and he's you know, Netflix binging and eating the junk food and whatever on the couch. Like, how is that for you? And to, you know, kind of turn the table for a moment and and shine a light. I don't want to overwhelm anyone with the discomfort, but to be aware that like, man, what's motivating my kind of hyperactivity around this issue is actually my discomfort. Mm -hmm. And is it actually a disservice to both of us in the relationship, right? That that my my husband, who is deeply depressed, perhaps, and, and understandably, you know, it's a huge hit to lose one's job, but mm -hmm. um, but that it's a disservice to him that I'm not reflecting back to him. Hey, babe, I, what I'm seeing in you, this is not you. This is not what you're made for. Empowering him to take some action in his life and to make some decisions about how he's going to get support, how he's going to turn things around. And also a disservice to me in growing in my ability to tolerate this distress that I feel, again, from a good place, like you pointed out, Pat, like of love and of care, but it gets distorted and it gets twisted when it becomes about, let me fix you so that I it can fix me mm -hmm. and so that I can mm -hmm. return back to a land of comfort, which we know in scripture, we know so many times over, like the Lord tells us in many ways, that's not what we're made for. That's not what this Christian life is about, right, is our right. comfort. Um, and so we are going to find hardship. And I would say, especially for me personally, and I was reflecting with this about you the other night, Pat, at bedtime, but you know, I am my my sin, the way my pride shows up. Okay, we all have the the sin of pride, but the way that mine particularly shows up is in a sense of like self-sufficiency and mm. like a um, an unhealthy level of like independence and like I'll I'll prove that I can you know do this and and that really the ways that the Lord challenges me to be dependent on Him is through those that I love through mm. watching those my children you um, my extended family dear friends like watching them suffer and struggle and be uncomfortable and be in the confusion of not knowing, which is so much of what this life is about, mm -hmm. um, 
to to really hold back and to trust like the Lord is working something with them, right? Not that the Lord like wills this suffering right, at all, right? but there's a way that God wants to meet them in there that like, I think I get in the way of a lot of times. Um, again, not meaning to, but um, that, that distortion of yeah. the good. My two favorite examples that are coming to mind right now of the ways that I've seen this expressed and kind of the damage that it does are first a, a, a unholy, I mean, not bad, but like a non-scriptural version and then a very scriptural version, right? So the non-scriptural version is uh, just a few weeks ago at our old house, we watch the movie remember the titans again right one of our families probably i don't know it's a, it's a movie that we watched a couple times with our kids great movie great lessons great great oh, so good. morals and and relationships it's just really a beautiful movie and there's a point in the movie where so if if you remember remember the titans at all there's a a, a race merging school in the 60s, I'm pretty sure, between a, a black school and a white school, and they're going to come together, they're going to be fully integrated, and the community is having a really hard time with this. It's made more difficult by the fact that they bring in a black head coach to coach the football team, which is like half black kids, half white kids, and they just have to figure it out, make one team, right? All kinds of very predictable racial struggles and tensions throughout the movie. And there's a point where uh, the black head coach, uh, I think his name is Herman... Boone is that his last name? Coach Boone, Boone, I think. Um, He is just like berating one of the black players, one of the high school players, and he's making mistakes. He's fumbling. He's doing you know doing all kinds of the players. Yeah, the players making just like some lots of mistakes on the field, and the white assistant head coach goes over and consoles mm. and tells him it's okay it's no big deal gives him a position on his right because he was the defensive coordinator, that's right he right? takes the him white onto coach. defense yeah which like, objectively actually works out like yeah. in terms of strategy that was a good football move you know but at a certain point after doing that with multiple of the black players the the coach boone the black head coach comes to this white assistant coach and says you can't be doing this you're cutting my legs out from under me when i tell a player that what he's doing is wrong and he needs to do better. And then you go to him and tell him it's okay. It's not a big deal. What he points out is I don't see you doing that with any of the white kids. Mm -hmm. What I see you doing is finding a kid that you think is weak and you and cannot handle the struggle. And you try to rescue him from the struggle and Mm -hmm. the kind of like, like gut punch punchline as he says, you're not helping these boys, you're crippling them. Mm. And he says, even like, you know, in kind of a social context, you know, these, these black boys are going to grow up in a world that does not help them when they are feeling weak, that, that is not on their side. It's not going to bail them out when things get mm-hmm, hard. The, mm-hmm. the deck is stacked against them and mm-hmm. you are robbing them of the opportunity to grow in strength when you save them or try to save them from their hardship. You know, yeah. so that's the 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 non-scriptural version that I think is beautiful and really true in a lot of ways. The scriptural version is so, you know, almost like cliche, or we hear this reading all the time at a certain point. But what happens when Jesus tells his disciples about how he is going to suffer in Jerusalem? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, Here's the deal. I gotta go to Jerusalem, they're gonna kill me. And Peter who genuinely loves Jesus, yeah. which is good, and he he ought to, and he does. He's a great follower. He overfunctions, and he steps in, and he says, you will not do that, Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus rebukes him really harshly, as we know. Get behind me, Satan, he says. Because in that moment, right, 
Peter is not concerned about Jesus's welfare anymore, or at least not, not what the best thing is. Yeah, yeah. He may want Jesus to not suffer, but what he probably is experiencing is a lot of discomfort. I love you, Jesus, so I can't stand to see bad things happen to you. Yeah. So he tries to step in and overfunction. And thank goodness, Jesus puts Peter in his place because we get salvation as a result of Jesus' suffering, <laughs> right, you know? Right, um, But it also doesn't mean that Peter um, was constantly overfunctioning. I mean, after that point, and even after his denial of Jesus before the crucifixion, Peter does come to a place of genuine self-gift, genuine love for others, and knowing his role in the struggle and the suffering of others. Yeah. Um, it, it's an image that I just love of, of Jesus reminding Peter, this is the mission and it's going to take some pain and some struggle and yeah. it's going to be hard for you, but it's okay. We we can struggle together in this. Um, and a quote actually to follow up on what you're saying, Pat, that, that stands out to me is from Viktor Frankl, um, who I feel like we actually quote him quite a bit on this podcast. Um, but um, the quote is, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning, such as the meaning of sacrifice. And I, I loved this. Someone shared that with me. And I love it because it is not suffering for suffering's sake, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. know that mm -hmm. um, we're not looking for pain in this world, that we're not pain seeking. We're not, we're not masochistic. That's not what we're encouraging here. Mm -hmm. But we're saying that, that, that discomfort, that pain that the other is experiencing that generates discomfort and maybe pain in us, it has this significance. It has this meaning of being a sacrifice of Lord. Okay. I know that I, I want, I choose to go through this because this is part of how I become more conformed to you. This is how I become more and more like you. I mean, I know you said it as a joke in the beginning about Our Lady, you know, being on the way as Jesus is going to his crucifixion. But that, I mean, is there anyone we are called to be more like than her? Right, right. Um, you know, as humans, like um, to, to know that there was something um, she was participating in the redemption of the world and and in the um yeah, the the development of her soul by allowing her son to do the father's work and to do the father's will. And we do that in in much smaller ways. But, yeah, I just go back to that wrestling. Like our son was becoming more who God was it has created him to be by working through that, but physically for sure, but then emotionally and mentally, you know, afterwards as well. Yeah. Um, so, so to know that for us as Christians, that, that this has meaning, it has significance. There is a way in which God blesses it when we give the space for the Holy Spirit to carry us and to carry those that we love. Um, you know, something that, that is sometimes hard for my clients to hear is when I'll identify that, you know, this, as you said, snow plowing. So snow plow parenting, snow plow siblinging, um, you know, snow plow marriage. Yeah. yeah snow mm -hmm. plow spousing, um, that, that they are depriving the one that they love 
of becoming who God has created them to be mm-hmm. when they enable, when they do not allow them to face sometimes natural consequences, which are uncomfortable in and of themselves. Um, but but also just as you said, Pat, like in a world that is not for us. I mean, you know, from that remember the Titans, like that can be extrapolated in a different way um, to us all, right? We know that the evil one does not desire for us to be close to Jesus, to be conformed to Christ's heart. Um, and so we're going to have to know how to be tough. We're going to have to know how to be resilient and how to persevere both for ourselves when we face discomfort and when we're seeing it for others. And that way of the cross, is it really is a good image because I just love the juxtaposition between the ways that Peter and Mary responded to the suffering of Christ, mm. right? Uh, Jesus hadn't even suffered yet, but even the very mm. idea of him suffering gets Peter in this place of his own discomfort, over-functioning, no, Lord, you will not do that. Yeah. And in the face of Jesus's actual suffering in front of her, Mary in scripture is totally silent and she's present. You know, and we know in Stations of the Cross that Jesus greets his mother on the way. So she's there. She's with him at the foot of the cross on the way to the cross. She's with him every step of the way, but she doesn't do the over-functioning thing of jumping in and screaming at Pilate, get get off my boy, leave him alone. He didn't do anything. And like, she would have been telling the truth. He didn't do anything, but she has the wisdom and and the the love, The the grace to be able to see that what is best, even for my son, who's going to suffer and die, what is best is to let him fulfill this perfect mission that yeah. he's been been given to all of us for. You yeah. Know? Well, and you use we I think we've used the word over functioning a few times now, and I think it'd be a good moment just to pause and explain what we mean by that because mm. it is such an important um, concept, especially in systemic therapy and in understanding relationships. So, if you know if you've been with us for a while and have listened to our episode on boundaries, you know that. Um, we talk about, we've borrowed this metaphor of boundaries being like gardens and fences. And so that each person has their own garden where they get to grow the stuff of their life, which I would say our values show up in our garden and that that space is delineated by a fence. And so if we can have that image, like, okay, so Pat and I have gardens, we're neighbors, we're next to each other. And then there's this fence between us over functioning would be Pat waking up in the morning and coming out with his cup of coffee on the front deck of his cottage and finding me, you know, good morning, Pat, like pop my head up and I'm like weeding his garden. And he's like, whoa, 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 it's 630 in the morning. What are you doing over here? <laughs> right. So, so we do that. That's a figurative expression, but like we do that when we step into someone else's space and take over and send this message of you don't know better. You don't know how to do, you aren't capable. You aren't good enough to figure this out. Um, you don't have what it takes to figure this out. Again, I don't mean to send that message when I do things like that, when I over-function, but I do. I tell the ones that I love that you don't have it, and I don't trust that, that you can get it together. And also, what happens when I'm over there weeding Pat's garden at 6.30 in the morning? I'm neglecting my own stuff. I have stepped away from my mm. garden, my cottage, and you know, in a sense, we could say, I have stepped away from what God is calling me to, right? So let's go back to the wrestling. God was probably asking me to keep my butt glued to that seat and not get up and go <laughs> run over to that wrestling bench and and stay still 
and to do my work of growing in tolerance of the discomfort and to to really let my son mature, which is hard for me. I so want it. And it's also hard because he's my baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but I neglect my work when I you know run over to the yard next door. <laughs> um, so over-functioning. We don't want to do it. It totally happens to all of us from time and, you know, time and again, but, but we want to be mindful of it. We want to be attentive to that. And it's probably a, a, a good time. Uh, you know, one of the maybe final thoughts here is to delineate and distinguish between charity and self-gift mm-hmm. and over-functioning and self-concern, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that there are obviously a million different circumstances in life that require our action. Yeah. You know, if if the baby is crying, right, right. <laughs> feed the baby, change right. the baby's diaper, because that is about the baby's well-being. Right. And it's it's self-giving love. I'm concerned for your well-being. Right. You know, if the son gets punched in the nose in the wrestling match and is gushing blood. Correct. Go attend to the the gushing nose. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, and, and even you know, extrapolating out beyond people in our immediate circle, you know, um, the charity that we offer to people who are living without homes in our mm-hmm. communities, the people who don't have enough food to eat, the people that don't have someone to take care of them. You know, there are absolute needs. Those works of mercy. The works of mercy that yeah. that are a requirement of Christian living. So that is not what we're talking about. That is certainly. Not not over-functioning. Uh, that is the 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 walk of the Christian disciple, right? Yeah. What the the dividing line would be would be responding to a, a a situation of suffering or struggle out of a place of my own discomfort, right? Wanting to to solve my discomfort in watching it happen. So wanting to pacify my own upset feelings, right? By trying right. to fix the others. Yeah. So I'm thinking of um, we just had a situation. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, and I can imagine that every parent goes through this if their kids are involved in any activity of any kind, really. But we had a son who tried out for a baseball team. He's playing youth baseball. He's played one year of baseball. <laughs> he is really good for playing one year, but he's not as good as the kids who have played four or five years ever since T-ball. So he tried out for a baseball team and he didn't make the like traveling team or whatever in the city league. So he will still have many chances to play baseball. This is not the nail in the coffin, but he didn't make this one particular team. And you and I had you had talked to the coach who called and very helpfully gave you a rundown yeah. of like this is what he needs to work on. He did great with these things, just really good feedback. Oh, I'm feeling it in my chest as you talk about <laughs> it, Pat. Okay, keep going. Feel the discomfort? I See? Do. Yep. I do. Oh, so hard. But then you and I talked it over, you know, and and then I had the great opportunity to be the one who broke it to him that he didn't make this team. And what you and I had talked about is making sure that in that conversation, I didn't trip over myself mm-hmm. to try to make him feel better about what had happened, right? right? Coming up with five different excuses or reasons that it's okay. It was only your first season, bud. Who would have expected you to make it? Yeah, you right. You did great for the little amount you played. You like, did right, great. Right, you, right. you can you can play on five other teams. It's not a big deal, you yeah. know. Like I'll and we'll buy the coach a Christmas present. I'm sure we'll get on next. No, year. <laughs> dude, that's what I was going to say. And then like take it to the nth degree. There, there are probably good folks out there who maybe lived in that place of discomfort and you know, said to themselves, I'm going to call that coach. I don't think that coach really knows what's happening. He doesn't understand 
that my baby is yeah. actually better than he perform. He he has performance anxiety in <laughs> in tryouts, so <laughs> he's going to be better on the team. I'll just talk to the coach. These for are you. legit. It's be some okay. of my thoughts, Pat. Why are you in my head? <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing is, some of those are true. You know, it, it is true, and it's probably totally acceptable to say it was your first year of baseball, buddy. Like. We're, we can work on this together. The coach gave us some great feedback. He was really positive about the the development that you've already made. That's fine. But at a certain point, the role of a parent is just to sit with a disappointed kid and to yeah. say, that really sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. That <laughs> got emotional for me somehow. I don't know why. <laughs> See, that's how I felt. Like, oh, go back. Now you know. But I mean, similarly, I was sharing this in a session the other day with someone that there was something that happened a few weeks ago and you had to to say no to decline an opportunity because it wasn't good for our family and you're like oh man but i really want to go you're probably going to speak in like miami beach or something who knows and i was like <laughs> and i was like no i'm not going to work for our family so um we got done talking about it and you just kind of looked down and i turned to you and i said like are you okay and you said yeah you said i'm just I, I totally get it. I agree with you that that's not the right choice for our family for whatever that time of year or that event or whatever. Mm-hmm. You said, I'm just sad about it. And it was so hard for me to resist the temptation to go, well, let me rethink it. Hold, hold on. Like, let me, let me see. Maybe it could work for our family. Maybe, you know, just that's that self-concerned mm-hmm. over-functioning bit mm-hmm. that like, mm-hmm. let me figure out how we can turn our family's life more upside down than it currently right, is on right. daily <laughs> so that you can go to a talk in some awesome place. But um. But yeah, that that distinction is so important because we don't want to lose sight of the call to be a Christian and to say, man, that call is bigger than just, you know, the sacrifice of I'll fix it for you. I'll do that thing right, for you. Right. Um, as we become adults in this Christian life, it's much more nuanced than that. It is much more sophisticated than that. Mm-hmm. And there's this discernment, this pausing, that's a spoiler for our challenge by choice in a minute here, but <laughs> but the pausing and going, what's going on? What's making me jump into action so quickly here? So should I just go with the challenge by you choice? You totally stepped on my touchdown call. I was going to ah, tee you up for a great, great, actionable, practical challenge by choice, yeah. but you just go with it now. It's all right, great. All right, yeah, cool. Do it. So challenge by choice. Um, so one of my favorite approaches to therapy, especially around um, learning to tolerate discomfort, just learning to live more in reality, is a, um, a methodology, a modality called dialectical behavioral therapy. And it talks about how we've got to know what we're feeling, be able to tolerate it, make a little space for it in order that we can be more effective in our relationships. Um, One of the skills within DBT, hold on to your hats, guys, it's pretty complex, is called the STOP skill. And we do write that in capital letters just for a little extra pizzazz. But um, Do people so, think it's an acronym because yes, it must be really yes, confusing? Yes, yeah, yes. I can imagine. <laughs> um, and it literally means to stop, that we train ourselves to move away from a life of reactivity and our, our arms and our legs flying out ahead of our brain <laughs> um, and, and to actually give ourselves the space um, to decide how do I want to respond. And so the challenge by choice this week is to practice the stop skill and to go, what's my motivation? What is prompting me to act? Um, 
when I when I'm feeling that ooh, that pull maybe to go into another's garden, um, when I'm feeling that pull to take action on behalf of another or to snowplow to intervene and interfere, mm-hmm. stop. What is that about? Had I had that on that wrestling bench, I want to believe that between that and Laura's words, I would have <laughs> stayed in my seat. <laughs> so stop this week, next two weeks. Stop. I love it. I love it. Very actionable. Yes. Yep. Just yes. pausing for a second and for thinking about you, how I want to respond. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Absolutely. Well, why don't we pray for a little bit of patience and a little bit of prudence and wisdom in moments like this. Perseverance. And yeah. uh, allowing the people that we love to have the gift of struggle. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, you struggled more than anyone. You suffered deeply and personally, painfully in your mind, in your body, in your soul. And you gave us a model of what it means to suffer well and to suffer with others, to have genuine empathy. So Lord, please be with us in in moments where we struggle, but maybe for our purpose today, be with us in the moments where those that we love struggle. Help us to know, to find the line of where you're calling us to help them, to to serve them and to give of ourselves, and where you're calling us to simply walk with them, to be with them, and to to hear their difficulties and support them so that they can grow in the strength and in the virtue and courage that you're calling them to. Mother Mary, we ask for your prayers in a particular way. You who walked with your son and allowed him the gift of suffering out of love for all of us. Please pray for us. Help us to to model our lives after your faith and your trust in your son, Jesus. And we ask all this, Heavenly Father, in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So Thanks for another great episode, babe. about jet lag on the first day in Greece, yeah. I will tell you... That's just too bad. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That's not the message. Oh. No, I will sit with you yeah. and empathize with your jet lag. Thank it'll be. You. It'll be great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, but I mean, truly, the next time, listeners, that you'll hear from us, we will be somewhere on some Greek island. Pat will be avoiding all the tomatoes and cucumbers and olives. <laughs> Lamb and bread. Lamb and bread. That's what I will be eating. It's a very Christian uh, diet, I just realized. (laughs) Lamb and bread. That's what we have at Mass, too, actually, ironically. (laughs) Maybe some wine. Maybe some wine. (laughs) Formerly bread. Yes. (laughs) The artist formerly known as bread. (laughs) Um, All right, friends. Well, uh, feel free to check us out on social media, especially Instagram at thiswholelifepodcast.com, because you'll get all kinds of Greek goodness pictures and videos and music and beauty and our goofiness the whole time on this pilgrimage. It's going to be beautiful. Check us out on Facebook as well. You can send us an email at thiswholelifepodcast.com and check out some of our other episodes. In the meantime, friends, get out there, serve, but don't (laughs) overfunction. Don't forget to stop. We love you. God bless you. God bless you. You're not alone. This Whole Life is a production of the Martin Center for Integration. Visit us online at thiswholelifepodcast.com. I just want to jump to five o'clock. 
somewhere. Yep. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> did you get that one? We, I did. Yeah, we're okay. putting that one in. Just FYI.